Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Over the weekend, energized crowds expressed their excitement or dismay over the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe versus Wade. Pro-abortion protesters and pro-life activists demonstrated around the country. NTD's Melina Wisecup reports. For the first time since 1973, states will be allowed to enforce their own laws on abortion after the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. Roughly half the states in the U.S. are moving to restrict abortions following the Supreme Court's Friday ruling. Louisiana is one of the 13 states restricting abortions and is now entangled in legal challenges. A Louisiana judge today temporarily blocked the enforcement of the state's abortion prevention laws. And in one Texas county, the district attorney says he refuses to enforce the state's abortion laws. Here in Travis County, we will not criminalize personal health care decisions. And some big corporations are now chiming in on the issue, with companies like Nike, Kroger, Zillow, Netflix, Starbucks, and others offering to help their staff cover travel expenses if they need to travel to another state to get an abortion. Yelp is one of those companies. Companies are talking about social issues all the time, and this is one that affects a lion's share of their population of employees. And so to stay silent on it, I can't imagine why any company would be willing to do that. More than 30 Democrat senators requested President Biden to stop states from preventing abortions following the Supreme Court's ruling, using what they called in a joint letter the full force of the federal government. Uh, people's rights to travel to states where abortion is legal in order to get the care that they need. And the attorney general talked about uh, pr uh, protecting access to medication abortion, which is very important I mean, states where abortion is still legal. Over the weekend, we heard from one Republican candidate for U.S. Senate who's been face-to-face -face with an abortion decision herself. And I chose life. My daughter is now a Navy veteran, college degree, owes two, owns two businesses, two beautiful children. And I got off that table and ran for my baby's life. So I understand what it's like to be on that table. And I'm always going to fight for our unborn. Pro-life activists say they have a plan to help women who may not be prepared to handle raising a baby. Helping them to sign up for Medicaid, for WIC, for CHIP, for these existing uh, public programs that are out there to help them get off their feet. And they go In addition to protests at the nation's capital, a number of big cities were flooded with protesters over the weekend. Four people were arrested in Arizona after protests turned chaotic. While pro-abortion activists are ramping up their efforts to reverse this historic Supreme Court decision, others are hopeful this is a change towards more traditional values being restored. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. Abby Johnson is founder of And Then There Were None, a nonprofit organization that provides financial and legal support to anyone wishing to leave the abortion industry. Abby Johnson, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. Abby, the reality of the courts overturning Roe versus Wade is now settling in. Uh, what, is, what has been the feeling uh, in the pro-life community since the decision was handed down uh, prior to the weekend? I mean, I think everybody is is really excited. I think everyone is is feeling like this is a victory, but also I think people are feeling like you know, okay, let's get to work. Uh, just because you know abortion clinics are going to be closing in many many states doesn't mean that crisis pregnancies are are ending. So we have a lot of work to do. 
If you could just give us an idea of what actually uh, goes on. I think a lot of people aren't too familiar with uh, pro-life uh, centers, if you will. Uh, you mentioned crisis pregnancies. What type of services, what type of uh, advice do, do these uh, facilities usually offer? Sure. I mean, crisis pregnancy centers are, there's about 2,500 of them across the country. The, a little more than that. Um, there's also maternity homes that provide shelter for women and their children. Um, but pregnancy resource centers primarily provide help and resources and counseling, emotional care for women who are in crisis pregnancies and beyond. Most pregnancy centers do work with women well beyond the point of them having their babies. And so they're really providing comprehensive care for women and their children who are in need of help. Uh, sometimes pregnancies occur and you're not prepared. You're not planned. They're not planned. Even sometimes in a marriage, pregnancies are unplanned and you just need that extra support. And so they are there to provide really anything and everything a woman needs in her pregnancy and beyond. Abby, one of those pro-life centers that you're mentioning uh, in Virginia was attacked uh, over the weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been many other cases that th this has been happening uh, recently. What is the intent behind this, do you think? And uh, have you heard of such instances in your neck of the woods? Yes, actually, since the draft opinion was leaked, there have been over 40 pregnancy centers that have been vandalized, firebombed, windows shattered, um, just acts of, of you know, attack, violence against these pregnancy centers that are doing good work, that are helping women in, in their time of need, which is crazy. I mean, who would want to uh, thwart the work of someone that is is helping a pregnant mom? That's just crazy. That's insane. Um, but it really just shows, you know, the, the saying is uh, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. And, you know, the, the this group, this Jane's Revenge group and this Ruth Sent Us group, they really are telling us who they are. They are not for choice. They are, are not for women. Um, they are for abortion. They are for women taking the lives of their babies. And uh, they're for killing. They're for violence. And abortion is such a, 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 a barbaric act of violence. And so it's not surprising that they are trying to harm the centers that are doing so much good and that are trying to protect women from that act of violence. We saw um, a, a, a center right not far from me uh, in Austin that was uh, unfortunately uh, vandalized by this group. And, you know, the fact that the DOJ, the fact that the Biden administration has not labeled these groups a terrorist organization shows the the hypocrisy that we are living under today in our country. Um, just back to the issue of abortion uh, quickly. Uh, in South Dakota, where abortion is now a felony, um, we're, we're seeing that the governor, uh, Governor Nome, is saying that uh, doctors who perform abortions will be targeted for prosecution. Uh, what is the situation in Texas uh, where, where you're from? 
Yeah. So, um, it's, it's, you know, the same here. So doctors will be, uh, charged with as, as criminals, uh, there, there are criminal penalties, uh, for performing or assisting with an abortion, uh, here in Texas. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that it, you know, in the states, uh, where abortion is illegal, that those criminal penalties will possibly increase, um, for these, these providers. You know, I, I saw a, I don't know, was it something on Instagram where these physicians, other physicians in other states and in liberal states where abortion is, is not illegal, they were, you know, sort of volunteering themselves to, you know, come and, and essentially uh, perform illegal abortions in, in states where abortion is, is now illegal. And I just thought to myself, you know, do they really understand what they're volunteering themselves to do? I mean, if they get caught, they are facing prison time. And we actually have a a worker that is part of, and then there were none, that spent three years in prison because she worked for Dr. Kermit Gosnell and was charged with murder because they were murdering babies that were born alive. Abby Johnson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Sue Liebel is state policy director at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, a nonprofit organization seeking to end abortion in the United States. We had a chance to get her perspective. Nancy Pelosi uh, calls the ruling cruel and says that women's rights are now on the ballot. Uh, what do you, how do you respond to that statement? Well, I, I would have to disagree with her that um, uh, ending uh, human life or protecting human life, excuse me, is cruel. It's just the opposite. It's cruel to end it. Um, I would have to respectfully disagree uh, with the speaker and uh, and and say that women's rights uh, for to be empowered, uh, to be uh, pr- protected and in, in um, and served in love and ways that we can build families, women can build their lives, they don't have to abort their children to be successful in life. Um, motherhood can be celebrated again, women's roles are, are key in our families and in our communities and in the workplace, and today actually marks the beginning of more power for women, women's rights. Do you think this is going to kind of change the dynamic of almost everything on a national level in terms of how this decision is going to be in the hands of state legislatures now? No, actually, I, I, I don't think it will. I don't think we can. It's as simple as we can say, well, it's in the it's at the states now. It, it is. And that's an important thing to be aware of, especially for all of us at home now to engage at the state level and with our state elected officials that we send uh, into public office. But at the federal level, the responsibility for Congress and the White House is just as important. For example, we were, were just distraught to know that uh, our President Biden and his administration are planning all kinds of wicked oppor- opportunities to expand abortion on federal lands or in federal ways through executive orders and other things. Um, also, Congress has a duty still to protect life um, because even though states will have a lot of leeway now uh, to make decisions, those states that would make it 
abortion legal up until birth, paid for by taxpayer dollars, which of course we know that polling shows that people don't want. But those states that will do that, then our Congress and our national leaders can put some limits, some some borders uh, around those decisions. For example, to not allow um, abortion, for example, in New York or California, when a baby can feel the pain of it or not to discriminate in the womb against babies with genetic disorders. Things like that, there's still, there is still a federal role here, a very important federal role, and, and, the, and even the protection of life at conception. So we hope that Congress will still, you know, we know that Congress will still stay uh, a part of the game and tuned in, and we're, um, we're bracing ourselves for um, how to respond and uh, how to Im- influence uh, our president to protect life, not discourage it. June 27th is PTSD Awareness Day. Wartime deployments exposing soldiers to traumatic events can sometimes result in PTSD, but not only veterans live with post-traumatic stress disorder. Symptoms related to PTSD may include nightmares, difficulty sleeping, depression, high anxiety levels, or sometimes self-destructive behavior. A variety of treatments can help manage symptoms but many people, especially non-military, do not seek treatment. June is PTSD Awareness Month, which encourages those living with PTSD to seek help. To break down the signs, symptoms, and effects PTSD has in real life, we spoke to active duty Special Forces soldier, Major Evan Preparis, who also suffers from PTSD. Here's a look. Major Evan Preparis, thank you so much for joining us in the Capitol Report. Thank you, thanks for having me. Now, June is PTSD Awareness Month. Uh, I guess first off, how widespread is PTSD and what do folks who have it experience? You know, PTSD, um, it's part of a post-traumatic stress. So it's actually kind of like a spectrum. So you can have post-traumatic stress and not have like the full-blown disorder where it's really disrupting your life. And you know, anyone who's going overseas and deploying is going to have some form of combat stress, some form of post-traumatic stress where they'll, they'll have an adjustment period back to normal. You know, the, the problem is when people who are uh, exposed to a lot of that or sort of serious parts of that come back and have trouble readjusting, and that's where you end up actually at the disorder. The post-traumatic stress part is part of the job of being in the military. Uh, the disorder part, you know, it's really dependent on the individual. So someone can experience a lot of uh, trauma and be fine, and other people can be, experience very little and have a lot of problems. So, It sounds like it's possible for, say, two soldiers to experience the same exact thing and yet come home and the after effects are more extreme for one than the other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, you know, a lot of it depends on the person. It depends on the support system they have around them. Um, it depends on how they're just mentally processing it. Um, so, yeah. And what are some of the support systems in place? How do you detect these types of uh, conditions and, and, and so forth? For, you know, for me personally, a lot of my support system comes through uh, my family and my close friends. And to me, that's the best part because they already know you. They've already got that connection and they'll be able to kind of really connect on that personal level. So there are other organizations. Uh, you know, the military has some systems in place. Uh, we have a big focus on mental health here at the unit I'm in, 1st Infantry Division. But there's also nonprofits like Infinite Hero Foundation, which provide that mental and physical support that they can reach out to veterans and get them in programs or just physically talk to them and kind of get them on the right track.
a lot of these soldiers are obviously mentally tough. They've went through boot camp. They've experienced combat many. Um, so when they come back, you know, I, I feel like maybe a lot of people don't even really know that they have it. How does somebody detect it? And, and how would you advise seeking help? Yeah, as far as uh, detecting it, it's just got, you'll have to know what's normal for you and what is abnormal, right? So, um, you know, example, small examples, like when I came back from some of my deployments, I'm used to the headlights on my Humvee being super bright so we can see roadside bombs. And I was just super weirded out that my headlights on my regular car were not as bright. And, you know, that's a form of combat stress. Did it stop me from driving at night? No, it didn't. Was I, was I like a little weirded out by about driving at night? A little bit. And, you know, you're a little bit you know, kind of looking at trash on the side of the road because that's what you've been uh, conditioned to do for the last year or so. And, you know, so that adjustment period is normal. So, you know, after, you know, that, that process will take, maybe take a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Uh, then the, the problem is really when you, when you start disrupting your life, that's when you really need to start uh, kind of seeking help and, and reaching out to people, whether it be personal, friends, family, other soldiers. You know, the, a lot of other soldiers have been through similar experiences, so they'll be able to kind of walk you through it. Now, is post-traumatic stress something that can be managed or reduced over time and with the proper approach? And what are, you know, some, some people like yourself doing to manage uh, PTSD? Yeah, absolutely. It can absolutely be reduced. Um, you know, it's the, the, po the post-traumatic stress I experienced personally has gone... I mean, it's very minimal now. It's now if something happens, like it, it tri I'm like, oh, it, like I, I recognize what's going on, but I, I don't like, I'm not freaking out per se. Um, you know, and things you can do is, you know, supportive family and friends. Um, uh, a lot of it for me is like, I have, I have a lot of, you may be able to see my background, like obstacle course racing is my personal hobby. That's like an outlet for me um, that helps me get out, uh, be social with people and uh, burn off some of that extra energy and uh, use my my kind of hyper focus on something on something different where I focus on racing and training and competing. Major Evan Preparis, thank you so much for your service and thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.